I want to talk this morning, this talk will be a wee bit different. I don't, I don't think this is a sermon as such, as more as me telling a few stories. Because the subject I want to talk about in the moment is serving or servanthood. You know, a, a, a word that's probably used around church more than any other arena, you know, to serve or to minister or to operate in servant, servanthood. And I just want to look at that really just in a very kind of practical way. Um, because I had two options here. I had, I'd, I had a talk kind of um, pretty much done to teaching on what serving is and what servanthood is. And I just sensed the Lord saying, you don't need to teach on what it is. Tell them what it's been like for you. So you're going to get a bit of storytelling from me. But I just want to begin with this, just saying that... Um, with this statement, right, that this is really important for us as followers of Jesus, and it's not complicated, but it's absolutely crucial. Jesus is our example in everything. Yeah? Jesus is our example in everything. When we look to other people for how we want to live, that's okay if that person is following Jesus. Right? Paul actually talks about that in his letters. He said, be, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So it's great to look for people who are following Jesus and following their example. But ultimately, we go to the scriptures and we look in the gospels and we see what Jesus did, what Jesus said, how he operated, how he dealt with people, um, what his mindset, his posture, his attitude was. And he is our example for everything that we do. Jesus is our example on everything. Yeah? Is that okay? So if we can start from that uh, launch pad if we're all in agreement, yes, good. Okay, I'm not going to wait for any dissenters. We'll just move, move on. But, but the area that Jesus, I think, really gives us, the, the, uh, one of the clearest examples of how to live a, a life of faith in Jesus, of how to be a disciple of Jesus, how to be a follower of Jesus, is in servanthood. Jesus shows us exactly what it means and exactly what it looks like to serve. You know, the, the entire story of Jesus is the story of a servant. The whole story is the story of a servant. In Isaiah, um, there, there's many prophecies in Isaiah written about uh, the, the coming of the Messiah and who the Messiah is. And in Isaiah 53, Jesus is, is mentioned in there. He's described as the suffering servant or the righteous servant. And it says in Isaiah 53, 11, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied and because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. Years, hundreds of years before Jesus arrived on this earth, God was speaking to his people through the prophets that the Messiah will be a servant, a suffering servant or a righteous servant. He didn't say that he would be a mighty warrior, a respected king, a gifted preacher, a talented worship leader. He said, no, he is my righteous servant. And unlike the world system that we live in, in the kingdom of God, it's servanthood, not position or status, that's the key to greatness. Servanthood is the key to greatness. And the kingdom, actually, spiritual stature, which comes through, um, sorry, spiritual stature, so the your, your standing before God is implicit in servanthood. Right? Serving others 
being available for God, being obedient, that is where the standard of our spirituality, if you like, is all rooted in. Yeah? You can't be great in God's eyes if you're not serving. You can't be great and not be humble. You can't be great and not love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus explains this during an encounter um, with Salome, who's the mother of the disciples, James and John. I just want to read this passage just to give you a bit of context around where Jesus, um, or, or yeah, so just, just what Jesus says about this thing, about servanthood and position. Um, and that. So anyway, so it says, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons and she knelt respectfully to ask a favor. Anyone do that often before God? We come to God humbly on our knees and say, God, can you do me a favor? And Jesus said, what is your request? And she replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I am about to drink? Oh yes, they replied, we are able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the other 10 disciples heard that James and John had asked this, they were indignant. That's code for they were upset and not very happy with these two. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers, now this is a key thing, Jesus said this to them, you know that the rulers in this world lord over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man cannot, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You get it? Right? Jesus encapsulates what servanthood is in that statement. We often in life, in all areas of our life, we attain for improvement or position or status or promotion, um, all, all these things, and, and none, none of that, by the way, is bad. None of that of itself is bad. But Jesus is saying the kingdom of God doesn't operate that way. The highest honor in the kingdom of God, the highest status is the servant. The lowest is the highest, the least is the most. And there's two aspects to being a servant of the Lord. One involves serving the Lord. Okay, so if God tells us to do something, we do it. So that's one aspect. Another aspect involves serving one another, serving other people. And some people might feel, I've come across this, that they're good at serving the Lord, but have a problem serving one another. And maybe other people who are good at serving other people, but aren't very good at the serving the Lord part. Now, of course, we are to serve Christ supremely, that's our first call, but we're also to serve one another. And in Galatians 5, Paul talks about this and he, and he says this, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, 
For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah? So, so are, are we there? Do we get that there's a foundation and a truth about what God sees as servanthood and what serving is? Yeah? Okay, that's the second layer, so we're good, we're good to go. I, I've been in church all my life. I was born in a, a family from my parents and my brothers. We all went to church. And um, so I've not really known anything else. So I've seen what it means to serve in the church my, my whole life. Um, so for me, kind of coming into adulthood, getting married, you know, we automatically went to church. And Lorena and I always served in the churches we're in. I think we've done everything at some point, kids, youth, worship, host, team. We've done a lot. We've done all from time to time. Um, but probably in my kind of early 20s, um, I began to um, get involved in leadership in the church it was in. And my area that I led in was in, was in worship. So um, we were in a church in Falkirk and um, I led worship and then I was like, I was like the Ryan. I was like, I wasn't called the worship pastor. I don't know what they called me, but I was the guy who kind of oversaw all the worship stuff. And that's me in my 20s. And then when we moved from that church, we went to uh, St. John's in Linlithgow and I was in the worship team there. And then eventually I did that same role of leading the, the, the worship ministry in, in the church. And it was interesting for me at that time because I'm a pretty young guy at that, that point and um, if people ask me like what do you do and that sort of thing one of the things I would say was I'm a worship leader and, and there was, that wasn't a lie that was what I was doing but I came to realise not at the time this is with hindsight that I had a lot of pride in that and a fair sprinkling of arrogance which at the time, completely unaware of, but now, embarrassingly, fully aware of. And so I had this kind of, um, you know, solid time of being a worship leader and knowing that ministry and uh, all that can, you know, very, very well. And in um, 2003, so we spent 10 years, or early part of our marriage, living in Lauriston, and we moved up to Brighton's. You know, we're well-traveled. Uh, we moved two miles up to Brighton's. But we made a decision when we moved to Brighton's that we wanted, we had this thing in our heart that we wanted to go to church where we lived, like, like we could walk to church, kind of thing. And, and, and interestingly, what we didn't know, that that was the first time that God actually planted a seed of church planting in our minds. Didn't have a clue at the time, but you can just, again, see the path that God took us on. So we went um, to Brighton's Parish Church, which is just, just a mile or so up the road there because it was in the village that we lived. And worship there was very different. So they, they, they definitely weren't looking for like a worship leader in, in the way that I'd done it before. But I did um, go to the minister uh, to tell him that I could play guitar. Just in case you needed to know that I can play a bit of guitar sort of thing. And if you ever want me to help out in your worship group, I'm more than happy to do it. And, uh, and he said to me, oh, that's, that's, that's great, that's great. I'm glad that you're, you know, you're, you want to get, get stuck in it and join in with things. He goes, the truth is, Andrew, he said, we've got loads of guitarists. We don't really need anyone to join our worship team. But we're looking for kids leaders. We're looking for people to help in the Sunday school. And I'm like, all right, uh, 
I play guitar. <laughs> right? You know, I didn't say all that, but that, I, I can look back and I think that was where, where I was at. But I learned a lesson there, and actually, so Lorraine and I both ended up in that church. We were there for two years, and the ministry we served in was the kids' ministry, because that's where the need was. That's where the need was. And I learned a valuable lesson at that time. I did play guitar once. They were, uh, it was Easter, and loads of people were on holiday, and he said, Andrew, if you don't have a guitarist, can you step in? And I thought, here's my chance, and I did it once, and they never asked me. Never asked me to do it again. <laughs> And then when we moved on from that church, this is when we joined Vineyard in 2006 through in Edinburgh. And not learning my lesson, I did a similar thing. Um, worship there was great. It was right, right up my street, thinking this is, this is a sweet spot for me. Um, and again, I did the same thing, exactly the same thing. Told the pastor I can play guitar, I can sing a bit, and I've led worship and that sort of thing. And actually what happened was that uh, Lorraine joined the worship team instead, not instead of me, but she got in and I didn't at that time. <laughs> and again, these are valuable lessons I'm learning here because I'm going with why things like this is where I'm gifted. I'm offering you my talent and my gifting. And, and myself, I'm thinking I'm doing a humble and honorable thing and I'm putting myself forward to serve, right? The thing I'm not hearing is, is people saying to me, this is where the pinch points are. This is where the needs are. Like, that's great that you can play guitar, but we need people to serve in that area. And what, what ended up happening with this was um, Lorraine uh, was, ended up singing in, in the worship team, and I was driving her in early to Edinburgh on a Sunday morning to be in the team. But then what happened was, because I got there early, I started putting chairs out, and we had a mobile stage. Remember that? Um, which was not a small thing. I would help set the stage up. I even, just to make sure people didn't forget, I would tune the guitars. <laughs> right? Um, give a wee strum. Because <laughs> you've, you've got, you've, you know, I was persistent. Persistent. And I did eventually join the worship team and I led worship in that church, but I didn't get in straight away. But, you know, during that time where I was going in early to take Lorraine in because she was in the team and I had no issue with that, was that um, <laughs> I would arrive early and automatically I would help the guys set up the tea and coffee or put the chairs out or the worship team and the sound guys to get with their kit up. I would go and help the guys and kids to get their rooms set up. Like I said, I would tune the guitars. It became a thing that I did. I also got to hang out with the pastor because he was always there early doing stuff. And when I did join the worship team, I didn't get to lead. I got to do backing vocals. I played guitar. We needed a bass player, so I bought a bass and just kind of got my head around that. And then eventually, I did get to lead in the worship team. But you know, what I learned through those, that season over those few years was it's not about what I want to do and it's not about what I need. It's about what God wants me to do and what the church needs and what people need. You know, I can come off and all the talent and gifting in the world, but we don't need 50 worship leaders. We just need a few. We need 50 people on the kids' team, though. I'm not kidding, right? We need 50 people on the kids' team. That's where 
They need us. And that's always been our mindset when, since this church began. We set it up as a, a, a people who served, served each other, get as many people involved in serving as, as possible. And, and as we uh, moved on through this journey with the vineyard, I was leading worship for a number of years, and we were also, Lorraine and I were also leading a small group. And it got the time, I was uh, busy at my work as well, doing loads of stuff, and we were struggling time-wise, and I was feeling a bit stressed out with all these different things I was doing. And we felt we were going to have to lay something down. So the two big areas that we were, um, or certainly I was serving in church, was leading a small group and leading one of the worship bands. And because, here we go again, I'm a worship leader. We, we laid down leading a small group so that I could give my, my effort into leading worship. And that's important for us because the small group we were leading, and thank God he gave us the leadership back of it 18 months after this, is how this church was birthed. But I almost missed it because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I nearly missed it. And all that time, that 18 months, since when we gave up leading a small group so that I could be the worship leader, we regretted it almost instantly, like within days. My hunger and desire and being a worship leader was draining out of me. I couldn't explain what it was. It, was, it used to be a labor of love I would spend hours listening to songs and arrangements and things like that. And it was like, I don't do this anymore. And I had 18 months of a hard slog leading in a ministry that God had said your time is up in. And I'm looking at other people leading the thing that I knew I should have been doing that. And I didn't know what was going to happen. But, but thankfully, God was gracious. He, he, he moved the, the guys that were leading our group on and, and that space became available and Lorraine and I picked it up again. And Falkirk Vineyard was birthed out of that small group. Guys, this is important. It's important that we listen to what God is saying, obedient to his voice, and only do what the Father tells us to do. We could have missed that. We were that close. That was a knife edge. And again, at the time, you don't realize it. You don't realize it because you can't see ahead. It's only when you reflect and look back. Um, that I thought I was doing the right thing because that's, that's where my gifting was. And I would have said that, I would have thought humbly and honestly, but actually the truth was it's arrogant and it was full of pride and I wasn't listening to God. Jesus was 100% obedient to the Father. 100% obedient to the Father. John 6 and 38, Jesus said, I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. You know, the incarnation of Christ, him coming to earth as a human being, that in itself is an act of obedience. The entire life of Jesus is a record of total obedience. And for Lorraine and I, we again learned with some hindsight, what obedience actually can achieve. We, 
when we were going through the, the process of becoming church planters or church pastors in the vineyard, um, we go through a whole kind of training process. And, and, and the final thing in that process is that we, we have to do an assessment day. And we sat down in front of, the, well, it sounds like it was actually quite informal, but, it was, but we had to sit with three very much older and more experienced pastors than us. And they would grill us pretty much and talk to us and question us about, I guess, what, why we were doing this. It was the very last thing that we had to do. And we went into it, probably, we had a bit of imposter, no, we had a lot of it. In fact, we were completely in imposter syndrome at that point there. And I remember going to that thinking, we're going to get found out here. This is going to be the one thing when they realise that these guys have been faking it all the way along, that whatever, I don't know, that weird thing that, that happens in, in your head. And then we, during that conversation, we were asked, we decided also when we went into it, we weren't going to treat it like a job interview. We were just going to be completely honest because we wanted to, we just wanted to know what God wanted us to do. And if this was the point that it ended or this was the point that we moved forward from, we just wanted to hear that from God and get it right. Um, and so they asked us a question, talk to us, talk to us about the time when God called you to be church planters. So, None, neither was answered. And then we looked at each other and we were having one of those wee off-camera conversations. You know what I mean? Just going, 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 calling, what that? And then we just kind of said, I, I, don't, I, I, never, I never heard God saying, go plant a church. So we turned around and said, this is our final step. And I said, we've never heard God call us to plant a church. Now, they're then going about 40 shades of purple and not really knowing what to do. And then this thing came into my, into my head, and there's a lot of, definitely the Lord, because I would not have the wisdom to think this up myself. I said to him, the only thing we've ever been called to is to be obedient. The only thing we've ever been called to is to be obedient. And I think the story for Lorena is that we never had a desire to lead a church, plant a church, do this leadership thing. We just kept saying yes to things. We just kept saying yes to what God was asking. You know, and, and sometimes we want to talk about or look for what the calling is on our life. What is the calling of God on my life? Now, for some people, I can see what gifting is on them. And, and at times, and I have done it a, a lot, I, I'll call it out in people and say, I believe that this is what God is calling you to do. But that's not me appointing them into a position. You see, the thing is, you don't get a call from God and then that's what you become. When God puts a call in your life and gives you a desire to do something, you grow into it. Your calling comes as you stack up your yeses. Your yeses form the calling. It's not a lightning bolt thing. It might be that you hear and you think, you know what, God's called me to be um, in youth ministry or God's called me to, to, to teach or whatever. And, and you hear that, but you don't go straight to leading a youth ministry or straight to teaching in the church. You start hanging around with people who are doing that stuff. You join a team and you serve on that team and you learn and you, you find your opportunities that way by being faithful, obedient and saying yes to the things that God is calling you to. Yeah? Yeah. It's obedience. It's obedience. Do you think Jesus would have got to the cross? In fact, let me put it this way. If Jesus had said no even one time to the Father, he would never have got to the cross. He 
never got to the cross because his purpose of being there was complete and utter obedience, 100%. You know, we don't know what is ahead of us, but when there's an opportunity to do something for the Lord, we do have an opportunity to say yes. We know we can say yes. Very quickly, what does that look like practically for us in church? Well, we've got a thing on our website that says, "Come." I think it just now says belong, serve, give. It used to say come, belong, serve, give. And that's really about how do you become part of our church? We don't have formal membership in Falkirk Vineyard. We don't want you to sign something. Um, simply, if you have members, you have by definition non-members. That's just not a differential I want to make about people. Yeah? Right? So if you come into a room, you can have members and non-members. No, we're all part of the Church of Jesus Christ, right? And your belonging and your membership is that you're part of this and you're all in. Right? So that's what we do there. But what can you do? Well, you can come, but maybe you could come early and put a few chairs out. You can maybe help the host team set up or the worship guys. Some of this kit's heavy. So these guys that are leading us in worship this morning are doing a lot of physical effort before they get there. We want these guys in the best shape possible. Maybe you're just turning up at half nine instead of half ten. You can help these guys set that up. You could nip through and give the kids team a hand to set up. Become early. You could take some drinks through to the kids team or the worship guys, other guys, they'll go and get you a coffee. You can make a coffee for Heather, who makes all the coffee. You could start chairs at the end. You could talk to the new person in the room, even just looking out for the person that's sitting on their own. You could put someone in an offering basket. You know what I mean? There's so many things we can just do that you don't need to be asked to do, but you can look out for and just do. And our heart since this church has been in existence, is to have a people who serve. Have a people who serve. And a few years into the, this, this church being in existence, Lorraine and I realized that we, we needed to bring a team around us, a team of leaders who could, we could lean on, who would support us, that we could tell them what God's saying to us and they could pray into and discern what, what we want to do. And when we were looking for those leaders, we, we had people in our church that, that would look entirely qualified for that role based on previous history, just like the worship leader. You know what I mean? Like they've done stuff before. But we didn't go that route. We chose people to be in our leadership team, which is our elders, if you like, if you're determined and that we'd use in other churches. We chose people who kept showing up, who served, served hard, who said yes to everything. <laughs> who were giving financially into the church, who were committed to Lorraine and I as leaders, that they, they didn't give us any trouble, not because they were like fawning over us, but they believed in what God had called us to do. We chose people like that. And these guys became leaders because they served. And they remain leaders because they serve. And they don't serve in the church because they're leaders. They serve because they're obedient to God. And through their service and their obedience, God said to us, choose those guys. Choose those guys. 
We can be as qualified as we think we are, but without service and without obedience, God can't use us. God can't use us. And I want to encourage you to look around and see what could you be a part of. Our, when we came back from the pandemic, which is about 18 months ago now, um, we'd, we'd been online for, what was it, 18 months? I can't remember. I'm trying not to think about it. Um, horrible times. But we came back and we were basically like starting again. And the area that we focused on was our kids' team. We decided we prioritised kids' church as the place that we wanted to make sure that we had a full ministry running from day one. And if you were around that time, you might remember, we said that we want everybody to sign up for a team. Are you up for doing that? And everybody said, yes, that's great. We've only got one team, and that team is kids. And we've ended up with the largest kids' team we've ever had. So much so they're on a six-week rotation. So, so that thing of... I don't want to be in kids because I don't get in the main service. That, that argument's gone. You only do it about eight times a year. It's gone. And we need more people because our kids' ministry is growing. Because all you new guys that have come keep bringing your children. So our kids' ministry is growing. And we're at a point where we're at a pinch point, and, and certainly in the primary school kids, but I'll come in the younger group as well, that we need to bring another adult in the room to maintain the correct ratios. And if you're a, if you're a parent, we want to encourage you to get into that team. Right, get into that team. Right, we want you to be serving in the kids' team if you're a parent. See, watch your kids learning with other kids. And if you think that you don't qualify for being part of the kids' team because you're not called to children's ministry, if you ask anyone in our kids' team if they're called into children's ministry, they're going to tell you no. They're going to tell you we're doing it because that's where the need is. Yeah? We can't say we love our kids if we're not serving them. We want to see people get involved and host what's going to see people involved in tea and coffee. And I want to encourage you well, if you're in a front-facing role, so if you were to preach or teach in this church or you're in the worship team, I want to encourage you to get on another team and serve. Get on another team and serve. Ellie, who's singing this morning, serves in tea and coffee. Aidan and Scott, they're also on the kids' team. Keith on sound serves in the kids' team. Ash on media this morning serves and the kids' team, yeah? Right, we need to be serving where the need is. And guys, it's an absolute joy. It's an absolute joy to serve. Come early, hang around with people. We'll get things done quicker, and then we can stand about and have a chat, which is my kind of favorite thing. We, we can do that. But guys, we want to get you involved. We've, we've got mainly music on a Monday. So there's people who are free and around on a Monday that come and serve mainly music. We've got our food pantry and our warm space on a Wednesday through in Camlin. People who are feeding that day, they're, they're volunteering, they're giving their time to come and serve. Guys, the church is not here to provide you with a service. The church is here to provide you with an opportunity to serve. And the beginning of service is what we do here. If we're not serving in this context, are we really going to do it outside of here? We might. But I think if you look at the, the design of the church in Acts, it was everybody together, right? It's all in. And that's really what I want to encourage you to do. I told you this isn't a teaching on serving. This is how we can, we can serve. And I want to encourage you, if you call this church your home, get involved. Speak to someone. There's, 
if you speak, there, there's a, I don't know how many people are, we must have about 8 or 90% of this church or 7 in some capacity or other. So the chances are, if you ask somebody how to serve in this church, they're going to tell you how to serve in the team they're on at the very least. That's what I would encourage you, encourage you to do. Why don't we stand?